Welcome to the Apostolic Keynote Podcast from Kingdom Faith Church. This message is by Colin Urquhart. Something good is going to happen to you this week. I said something good is going to happen to you this week. Can I hear faith? Something good is going to happen to you today. What does God desire for us? Jesus summed it up at the Last Supper when he was talking to the disciples. And he said, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. What God desires in your life, in my life, every day, is his fullness of joy. No matter what the circumstances, because the joy doesn't depend upon circumstances, our joy depends on knowing who he is. We rejoice always in the Lord. And I've always taught that joy is the barometer of our faith. If we're not rejoicing, we're not in a place of faith. We're not actually walking by faith. When you walk by faith, you rejoice, no matter what the circumstances, because you realize God is greater than the circumstances. But just for a moment, let's consider who God is. He is the creator of heaven and earth. It's interesting that in Acts 4, when the disciples were praying that there would be an increase of the activity of God because of the increased pressure and persecution they were experiencing, that that's how they addressed him, as the Lord of heaven and earth. He is the great creator who has brought everything into being. He is the one who is supreme above all others. The God of holiness, of completeness, of perfection. He is the God who is Love, wisdom, righteousness, everything that is good. So much higher, greater than the whole of mankind. This is God. And you know we could go on saying he's the almighty, he's the omnipotent, he's oh, so many wonderful, wonderful words to describe him. And yet, the strangest thing about God is that he wants a personal relationship with you. 
think about it, that is amazing. I think it's easy for Christians to think that somehow their job is to relate to God. But of course we can only love him and relate to him because he first loved us and because his desire is to relate to each one of us. But this relationship with God is the relationship with that one who is all that he is, who is so great. I can remember when I first came to the Lord as a as a young boy, the first thing that hit me, first sort of truth that grabbed my heart, is that it is such a wonderful privilege to serve the King of Kings. Now, I knew next to nothing at that time, really, about the gospel, but I can remember I was on holiday and just going for a walk in the early morning. I used to get up early in the morning and go for walks before the rest of the family was up. And, and uh, I would just be praying and praising God and just praising him. It was a beautiful sunny morning and I was just walking along, thanking God. What a wonderful, wonderful privilege to serve the King of Kings. Little did I know what that was going to mean in the rest of my life. But what a privilege. Not just to serve him because we can only serve him because he has first called us, chosen us, shown his love for us. It is amazing. And what he wants for each one of us is his best. Because he is our Heavenly Father, he wants the best for his children. And when you think of who God is, you therefore can understand at least a little of what his best would be. And that's what he wants. And he knows that the only way in which to see his best in our lives, to bring us to the point where we are filled with the fullness of his joy, is for him to keep giving to us. So, you know, we talk, we, we use these phrases so casually, really, because they were so familiar, you know, we depend upon the grace of God. But I mean, what are we saying when we say that? We, we believe that God wants to give and give and give and give. Every time we pray, he wants to give. Every day he wants to give. No matter what situation we're in, he wants to give. He never wants us to depend upon ourselves. But always to depend upon what he can do, what he wants to give to us in the situation, even though he's given us his spirit, it is still by his spirit. Remember, his spirit 
never acts independently of the Father and the Son. Jesus made that clear. So whatever the Spirit is wanting to work in us, it's because the Father and the Son want to give to us. The Spirit is the channel, if you like, the means by which he gives to us. But the desire is in the heart of the Father. And the means by which we qualify to receive all his gifts is because of all that Jesus has done for us. Just listen to some verses from Colossians chapter 1 in the truth version. He strengthens you with all the power of his glorious might and it is this power at work in you that gives you patience, enabling you to persist in doing his will, and causes you to maintain your joy, thanking God the Father for all he has done in you. Yes, it is his work in you that means you are now qualified to share in the inheritance he has prepared for all those he has called and set apart to belong to the kingdom of light. He wants you to maintain that joy. Now, there are several scriptures in the New Testament where thanksgiving and joy go together. Rejoice in the Lord always, pray constantly, give thanks in all circumstances is another example. But there are are other verses too. Thanksgiving and joy go together. If we're not thankful, we won't be joyful. And the scripture says, give thanks in all circumstances, not just for the circumstances we like, not just for the circumstances that, that we enjoy in the natural, but to give thanks in all circumstances. Because even when they're challenging, God is always greater than the circumstances, isn't he? And so we can give thanks that he is Lord over the circumstances. And as we read in that scripture, He is the one who is at work in us, enabling us to have patience, enabling us to persevere in our faith, enabling us to persevere in joy. He wants a joyful people. You're forever hearing me saying, he wants some joyful praise. And, and, you know, I believe that one of the things that God really wants to do in us this week and in this coming season is to increase the joy in our lives. Because where there's freedom, there's joy. That's also where there's freedom, there's joy. And and there's going to be more and more joy in our lives and in our worship too. So a joyful people are a happy people. Not just worldly happiness, which soon passes away because it's based upon emotion. But what does it mean to be blessed? Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. To be blessed is to be made happy, is to be made fulfilled. So, you see, even even in talking about the way that God wants to bless his people, we're saying he wants them to be joyful that he blesses them, he gives to them, he does whatever is necessary in their lives in order that they will be a happy, fulfilled, joyful people. 
And this is to be our witness. Even if you think of the situation in the nation at present and the clearly ridiculous things, idiotic things that are going on in Parliament at present, we can still rejoice in the Lord because he's greater than all of that and he will establish his will and his purpose in this land. I mean, everybody else is falling about and getting worried. I'm not worried. I'm just praising God that the worse it gets, the better it will get because things often get worse before they get better. And that's when you need to keep rejoicing in the Lord even when things are getting worse. God is not phased. He's not worried. He doesn't think this is a crisis. He just thinks people are being idiotic, stupid idiots that they are in the natural. But he is greater and beyond all of that. Hallelujah. So much self-righteousness on both sides of the argument. Self-righteousness is as filthy rags in the sight of God. Pulling people apart, creating divisions. But we are a people who are called to live together in unity. Amen? And that unity, of course, is always focused around the person of Jesus. I love the parables of Jesus. Remember I said to you a little while ago, the Lord, when I was writing um, The Lord's Orchard, the Lord said to me that most people today, most believers today, do not believe the parables. They do not believe the teaching of the parables. They read them, they, they uh, preach about them sometimes, but we need to believe what God says in these parables. And one of the parables that I think is a key, key one, is, is the parable of, it's usually called the parable of the prodigal son. As we know, it's a parable about the father and two sons. But if you just focus on the prodigal son for a moment, it speaks of the whole situation of humanity, really, and of every person. You can remember it... Uh, by five words, all beginning with the letter R. First, there was rebellion against his father. The rebellion led to ruin. Once he faced his ruin, he was led to repentance. The repentance enabled reconciliation with his father. And having been reconciled with his father, he was then able to enter into his inheritance again, restoration to what was his. Rebellion, ruin. Rebellion always leads to ruin. Even when we rebel against the Lord, it always has negative impact in our lives until there is repentance. And whenever there's repentance, there's reconciliation. And when there's reconciliation, 
then there's restoration. And this is, this is our God. He is a God of restoration. He knows us. He knows everything about us. He understands us. He understands our motivation. He knows our thoughts from afar. He knows our words before they're on our lips. He looks not upon the outward appearance, but upon the heart. He knows our going out and our coming in, our lying down and our getting up. He knows absolutely everything, and what he is always concerned about is restoration. Restoring us to his best, so that we enter the feast. So that we enter the feast that he has prepared for us. As David said in Psalm 23, the Lord has prepared a table in the face of our enemies. And on that table, there are all the good things. I can remember once doing a, a you know, kind of family service uh, teaching years and years ago on, on this and having a table with all kinds of packages on it and saying, this is, this is the table that God has prepared for you in the face of your enemies. And of course, all the packages were labeled, you know, blessing, healing, uh, salvation, joy, peace, faith, love, everything. You know. One package after another, all prepared for us. And so we don't focus on the enemy or what the enemy is wanting to do. We focus on the provision of God. And you see, he's prepared that table because he wants to bless. He wants to give. He wants our joy to be full. The thing about sin and disobedience is it robs you of two things, your joy and your peace. And it isn't until that repentance and reconciliation that the joy and peace are restored. And that's what God wants, you see. This, this great God doesn't want us to treat him as if he's just another person and we can sort of be in good relationship with him one day, but it doesn't matter too much if we upset him another day and we can always come back to him on another day and... It's so easy to have that kind of casual attitude. Well, he's the God of mercy, he's the God of grace, and he will forgive and he will restore. But I don't think that kind of attitude really honors the Lord, do you? I think he wants us to have such reverence, such awe, fear of the Lord which is the beginning of wisdom. Uh, I think he wants that in our hearts so that we realize what an awesome privilege that God wants to walk with me every day. not just occasionally on a good day. He wants me to walk with him, but I can only walk with him because he wants to walk with me. If he didn't want to walk with me, I couldn't walk with him. If he didn't want me to live in him, I could not have him living in me. 
And you see, the truth gets even more remarkable, doesn't it? He wants me living in him. So what's God's plan for this week and for these evenings of encounter? Not just the evenings, but encountering him in the time we set apart to pray and not just in the, in the corporate prayer times, but in our own times. What does he really want? He, he, he simply wants us to enter more fully into the truth. You see, you can know the truth without living the truth. And uh, it doesn't bless God if we know the truth but we don't live in it. So what he's looking for, if you like, in our lives is not whether we know and understand his word and, and the truth of his word and what he's done for us in Christ, but whether we're living in the good of that. So that day by day, he is able to give to us. He is able to undertake for us. That as we walk with him, it's his life in us that is going to be expressed through us. More fully. More and more fully. Now, you see... In saying this, we need to refer back to what God was saying to us last Tuesday morning. That it isn't that God imparts a certain amount of blessing to us and say, right, live in the good of that and then I'll bless you some more but to live in him is to live in the fullness of who he is. So it isn't that he wants me to walk in any righteousness of my own because I don't have any. He wants me to walk in his righteousness. He doesn't want me to try to be holy. He wants me to live in his holiness. He wants me to be holy, but the only way to be holy is to live in his holiness. It's to live in the completeness of who he is. So the scripture says we have come to the completeness or the perfection that we have in Christ. That perfection is ours. It's, your, our, it's yours today at this moment, even as you're sitting there. The fullness of who Christ is, is you. And you live in that fullness. But you see, the more that is a reality because of your faith, then the more of that fullness will be expressed in your life. And this is what God is wanting for all of us, for everybody in kingdom faith, for all of us as we spend time this week encountering him. He wants more of who he is to be expressed. You see, the, to be expressed in us and through us. The, the privilege, the wonder of it gets more and more. He doesn't simply want us to have a personal relationship with him. As great as he is, comparison with, I mean, the nations are like a drop in the bucket 
according to Isaiah. So <laughs> what are we as individuals in comparison with God? Uh, but yet he doesn't just want a relationship with us. He wants to bless us. He wants to give to us. He wants us to be walking with him. He wants us to live in that life of such dependence upon him that it is no longer I but Christ who lives in me that is at work in and through us. And we can look at ourselves if we're disobedient because looking at yourself will always discourage you and undermine your faith. Or we can be true to the scripture and fix our eyes on Jesus, fix our eyes therefore on the truth, fix our eyes on what he has done and realize that the only way to walk with him in this way is to keep our focus on him, to be yoked together with him. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am humble and gentle of heart and you will find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So this, this walk with the Lord in him, yoked together with him, is easy. It takes the sting and the strain out of life. When we feel strained and overcome and, and uh, sort of depressed, oppressed, the, the answer to that is, well, instead of focusing on ourselves, we need to focus on the truth who he is or what he has done, and realize, well, remember, his yoke is easy, his burden is light. Perhaps the burdens the enemy wants to put upon me, perhaps the burdens of the world and the opposition and so on that can come against me might seem great, but if I'm yoked together with him, he takes the burden. What does the scripture say? Cast all your burdens on the Lord. You're not supposed to carry them. You're not supposed to bear the weight of them. This is the amazing thing. This is the amazing wonder of his love that he comes alongside us in order that we might walk with him, live in him, he in us, yoked together with him, always blessing, always giving, always undertaking for us, enabling us to be patient and to persevere so that we never lose that joy. It's all so simple. Really. It's only unbelief that makes it complicated. Faith is intrinsically simple. Not I, but Christ. as simple as that. If I trust in myself, I'm going to struggle. I'm going to fail. I'm going to think the going is hard. I will want to sometimes give up. Think everything is beyond me. Think I'm never going to make it spiritually because that's what happens when you look at yourself. But if your eyes are on Jesus, you know you cannot fail because he cannot fail. If you're living in him, you're living in the one who cannot fail. And if he's living in you, the one who cannot fail is living in you. If you're walking with him, you're walking with the one who cannot fail. It doesn't matter what the situation. 
So, you throw away all those prayers that have a question mark at the end. No prayer of faith has a question mark. Understand that. The only prayers that are prayers of faith are those that you are confident of the answer. You know the answer. Faith knows the answer. And you're praying the answer into being. That's the whole point of faith. It's not hoping that God would do X, Y, or Z. Because hope relates to the future, whereas faith relates to the present. What we believe God to do now. So, I uh, started with that phrase that something good is going to happen to you today. That's not my personal uh, invention. Most of you probably would never have heard a minister personally, but you would all know the name of Oral Roberts and what a great ministry he had and healing ministry and establishes university and all kinds of other things. But that was his daily mantra. That's what he said every day when he was preaching, when he was writing, whatever he was doing. Something good is going to happen to you today. Because that's faith talk. You anticipate something negative and I guarantee you'll have something negative because that's what you believe. You believe your fears and you will walk in fear. You trust in the Lord and walk by faith and you overcome your fears, you overcome all the negative things. It's where we put the focus, isn't it? So, this is a great time to refocus on Jesus, to focus on him more fully, whatever, whatever we need to do. Because his desire this week is to bless, is to give, is to cause our joy to be full. But what will give us that fullness of joy? Jesus says, it's knowing that the will of God is being fulfilled. Remember the context in which he said that. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now abide, continue in my love. If you obey my commands, you will continue in my love, just as I have obeyed the Father's commands and, obey, uh, and remain in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Jesus knew that the fullness of joy comes in the outworking of his will. 
So all we do this week is submit ourselves afresh to him. Not by focusing on ourselves, but really by losing ourselves. You know, if you lose your soul, you will gain it, Jesus says. So we lose ourselves in God. That's what this week is about, really. And uh, that greater revelation of himself will mean that he will bless, he will give, he will restore, he will do whatever is good and right and positive. And the reason why he will do this is not for our sakes alone. He does it for us because we're the children that he loves. But his motive is so that we will reflect the life, the love, the character, the power of Jesus, and so become more fruitful. And then the addition will lead to multiplication, the gleaning, will lead to harvest, the blessing will lead to abundance. More, what, what, what does multiplication, harvest and abundance mean? More of, more of Jesus. Basically, it's just more of Jesus. So the more fully that we are yielded to him and meet with him and, and allow him to do in us what he desires, give to us in the way that he desires, to bless us in the way that he desires, the more fruitful we will, we will become, the more the will of God will be outworked amongst us. It doesn't happen by saying, oh God, we want to do your will, and you know, getting all sort of frantic about ourselves. It's simply entering more fully into the revelation of who he is. Be still and know that I am God, the Holy One in the midst of you. So, he just wants to encourage us. Why do we wait upon the Lord, as we do in a week like this? Because he's waiting for us. Our waiting on him is only a response to the way that he waits for us to come into that place of faith where he can bless us more abundantly so we become more abundantly fruitful. Hallelujah. So we thank God, as we saw last week, we thank God for all that he's doing now. We don't minimize the significance of that at all. But like Paul, we're reaching out for that which lies ahead. Forgetting what lies behind, we're reaching out for that which lies ahead. We want to take hold of everything for which Christ Jesus laid hold of us. See? And what did he lay hold of us for? To bless us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. Those blessings are ours. That is the inheritance that is yours in Christ that he has already blessed you with. So what he's saying to us is take hold of all these blessings. All these blessings are in Christ. It's 
never his desire to withhold any of them from us. But he wants to give and give and give and give and give. So don't spend this week looking at yourself and thinking, what a miserable failure you are. God knows that. You don't have to remind him of that. But it's, it doesn't build faith to dwell upon that. But to know that insignificant though you are in and of yourself, in him you are exceedingly rich. And he has taken hold of your life because it's his will for you and he has placed you in Christ in the fullness of his life. So draw near with faith, with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith. Draw near to that throne of grace, the throne of glory, where you will find grace, mercy first of all, forgiveness, and grace to help us in our time of need. God, what is grace? God giving. To those who deserve nothing. God giving. Draw near to this throne. Sincere hearts, full assurance of faith, because he wants to give. He wants to give. He wants to give. So something good is going to happen to you today because God wants to give to you today. And that's true of every day. Every time we come in here for an eight o'clock, God wants to give to you. He wants you to come with that expectation, with that faith. doesn't matter how you feel. doesn't matter what circumstances are. That's his desire. He wants to give. And, you know, if, if you go out at the end of an eight o'clock and you feel that you haven't received anything, you're not the disappointed one. God is disappointed that you haven't received what he wanted to give. Amen? The likelihood is that if you only believed you had actually received what he wanted to give, but your negative thoughts, and if you depend upon simply your feelings, you might not believe that he's given what you asked him to give. But according to my Bible, with all the prayer promises that Jesus gives us, none of them ever indicate that God will say no to what we ask of him. None of them. Every promise that he gives in prayer, every promise means that he will give to us what we ask in the name of Jesus. That if we live in him and he in us, we can ask whatever we wish and he will give it to us. He will never say no. Of course, he won't give to us to please the flesh but then if we live in him and he lives in us we're not living to please the flesh we're going to know what instinctively what it is that he wants in our lives and so his will is always yes and amen thank you for listening to this kingdom faith podcast we trust it's been an encouragement to you For more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts, please visit www.kingdomfaith.com.